Welcome to Restitch America, a podcast about restoring civility, strengthening patriotism, and rebuilding unity in America. My name is Almohine Opari. As an immigrant for nearly two decades and a new American citizen, I created this show to help heal our national conversation, to rekindle our pride in our country, and to rebuild our sense of patriotism through optimism, civility, and willful positivity. Now sit, relax, and let's restitch America. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Restitch America. My name is Amohini Opari, and I'm very excited to be here with you today. This is episode number 25, and this is our season finale for our first season of Restitch America. So over the last um, 25 episodes, um, we've had the opportunity to go on a journey, you know, talking to different people from all walks of life. And, and then also we've had the opportunity to kind of delve into certain issues that are happening around our country. And um, I didn't know <laughs> how this was all going to come around and, and come about, but um, I'm glad um, we were able to start this and I'm glad for the support that I have received through the process. I'm very thankful to um, all of you who have been listeners of the show. And then also I'm very thankful to my producer, Jenny Johnson, for her support and her help throughout this entire process. So this is, this is what we're going to do today in today's episode. Um, we took clips from our previous episodes, clips that we thought were interesting, and we're going to uh, share those clips with you today. Now, let's talk about plans for what happens next. So, like I said, this is the end of the first season. We're going to take a break in the summer uh, to allow me to be able to uh, focus on a few other things, which I'm going to be announcing when we come back. But for now, um, we're going to take a break and then we will come back early in the fall to resume new episodes for season two. So that's the plan. And we will certainly um, potentially put on some bonus episodes as needed if, you know, there is some news that breaks between now and then that I feel we need to comment on. However, um, there will be no regular episodes during the summer, and then we will be back early in the fall. All right. Thank you so much once again for your support, and I hope you enjoy um, reminiscing on some of our clips from the last few episodes. So enjoy, and see you in the fall. And I found an African proverb from the country of Liberia in West Africa, which goes something like this. Don't look where you fell. Look where you slipped. As I pondered this proverb over the past week, I began to realize just how profound it is. Sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves so focused on the pain and hurt that accompanies a fall that we completely ignore where and why we tripped in the first place. Were you running too fast? Was there an obstacle that you did not see coming? Was it intentional or merely an accident? And could you have avoided it altogether? 
Is there a lesson that you can learn from the experience? I think these are some of the questions we should be asking ourselves as conservatives, as Republicans. And the truth of the matter is, no matter how careful you are, at one point or another, you're going to fall. And because that is going to happen, it is crucial that we look back and investigate why we tripped. It is incumbent upon us to seek to understand the circumstances that led to the outcome we now face. Sometimes we may find that the circumstances were completely out of our control. In other times, we may see a chain of events, whether intentional or not, that led to that fall. In some cases, we will be responsible for it. In other cases, we may be the victims of others' actions. Either way, investigating why we slipped in the first place is the first step to the healing process. And sometimes I know it's a bitter pill to swallow, but going through that step is necessary on our road to recovery. So my advice to you is this, that the next time you make a mistake, the next time we fall, don't look where you fell, look where you slipped. And one of the most important things I think that comes out of such an exercise is that it's not just about determining where you slipped so you can help yourself in the future. It is also about letting the people who come after us know so they don't slip in that same location again. I think that's the most important thing. And so let's remember the next time we fall, don't look where you fell, look where you slipped and use that knowledge to help others have a better chance than you did. And then the second thing is, it's interesting you said that because a couple of days ago, talking about not people not being um, challenged, I, I had a friend and I'm like, you always seem to handle stress so well. Like, you never t- complain to me. I always feel like I'm complaining to you. Like, who do you talk to? And she goes, I really don't. I'm like, how do you deal with stress so well? And she's like, my life was really hard growing up. I was six years old going to the grocery store for my family because, you know, anyway, she told me everything. And I had known a little bit of her childhood, but she's like, so this, this is nothing. I had to go through a lot as a child. And, and I think that's what's happening right now is we are, and listen, I'm sure I've done this a little bit to my kids, but I've seen so it used to be called a um, helicopter parent, but now I feel like it's called a lawnmower parent where you <laughs> mow down any problem there is for your kids. So everything is smooth and a great path for them. That is not good that you're actually doing a disservice to your children. Like I remember my son was long story short was working at a grocery store and he wasn't putting in his time schedule. And so then he got scheduled for a time that we were going to be out of town. And I'm like, you need to call. And he wasn't calling. And I'm like, you've, you've got to call because we're not going to be here and you're going to get in trouble. And he wasn't calling. Other parents would have called the Four boss and said, hey. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So I pulled, we were running errands and I pulled into the parking lot and he's like, what are we doing here? And I go, you're going in and talking to your boss about your schedule. And he looked at me and I go, go. And he, he opens the door and he looks back at me and he goes, this is out of my comfort zone. And he slammed the door. And I'm like, exactly. We are not allowing people to get out of their comfort zone enough to be challenged. And, and I, and it's, again, you feel like you're doing what's best for your kid, but you're actually not by solving all their problems and them not having to go through. Now, listen, there's a difference between like tr- actual trauma. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about that, but like they need to know. So they have coping mechanisms when worse things happen to them in life. I asked my daughter, she went through a lot of stuff her freshman year in high school. 
And a couple of years later, when she had time to like process it all, I said to her, do you regret what happened? And she said, she paused and she said, no, because I don't think I'd be the person I am today if that mm-hmm. hadn't happened. And she is one strong woman. Like she has gone through a lot and she's one of the strongest girls who's so confident in herself. And I think it's because she went through some major crap and I was there. I supported her, but I didn't solve all her problems for her. She had to do that. And another thing you said, I'm sure I'm saying a lot that you could address, <laughs> but about, we haven't said the word, but you've, you've said it in a roundabout way, accountability. People think that they can do whatever they want without accountability because they have been able to do a lot without accountability. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the major things that is missing right now is people are not being held accountable for their actions. And that's a huge problem. One of the challenges I think that happens is, and this is something that is pervasive throughout America, is this idea or or this kind of trend where we box ourselves in because we have tied certain narratives together. So for instance, um, when you talk to the average person on the left, they would say, you know, any opposition to, you know, the border and, and what is happening at the border stems out of some kind of xenophobia or some kind of racism. And so you get you know, people who are completely um, paralyzed from doing anything because that narrative has been accepted by the media and it makes it impossible to truly talk about some of the things you're talking about and the experiences that we're having. The fact that we're losing 100,000 people every year to this drug invasion. And and a lot of people are talking about them as not overdoses. These are poisonings, right? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of these people don't know what they're taking. And and they're caught completely off guard. And just one, you know, a couple of grams of this thing can kill an adult human. And so how do we decouple this conversation from this whole idea of kind of, you know, xenophobia or racism or how can we do that so that the average American can kind of turn they're they're thinking about this to say this is no longer some issue about you know you know getting too many you know low wage workers or an issue around you know oh we don't like you know brown people or or that kind of thing that you hear in the media all the time how do we turn that conversation is it um and and in this case I'm going to refer to I know you're working on a documentary is it potentially showing them what is truly happening in a way that they can't ignore anymore? Well, those labels, because those are labels, right? We we want to label people xenophobic, um, you're a racist, you're a bigot, all of these things. Um, I'm a I'm a studier of history. And again, my family fled Stalin. So you know, I've been called a white supremacist, but the left didn't get that narrative that I was actually my family. Jewish and they were marched off to the gulags and some of them didn't make it. My family literally left everything in Russia uh, to to flee here for a better way of life to save their actual physical lives, right? And so the the tactic of the communist regimes, right, or the left, uh, the, the communist Mao, so if you study Mao, you study Stalin, you study Hitler, um, all of these, uh, the Chinese malignment, you, you start reading and understanding what your history is. That's one of the things that um, was so greatly used, especially let's talk about Nazi Germany. 
um, with the Jews, the propaganda machine, which is you control the narrative, you control the media, you can brainwash and control a lot of the outcomes. That's just part of the political correctness, which started at the late 80s, beginning of the early 90s, was part of that machine to start keeping you silent, to keep the church, quite frankly, silent because they're afraid of the church. Um because when the church falls, everything else falls along with it. And so morals and all of those things. Um, I don't care what people call me, quite frankly. We need to get backbones in this country and in this world, quite frankly. Um, you can call me anything you want. And like I said, I've been called everything from a white supremacist to a racist to a bigot to everything else. Doesn't matter to me. I don't really care. You don't know me. Um, my 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 actions, my words, my speak highly of what I do in the field. I have friends from all walks of life. We were all created in one image, and that is the image of God. It doesn't matter the color of the skin. What that's the division, right? That's that's the devil. The devil wants to keep us divided because in unification, we're stronger. Um, that's what the left is afraid of. That's what the communists are afraid of. They are afraid if we put down all of those barriers and we come together with one voice. Um, then we're going to be the powerful movement that they cannot stop. So get rid of all of those preconceived notions, everybody out there and start voicing and standing up and pushing back. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? That's the first question to ask yourself. I looked at myself very long in the mirror and I had to ask myself that question. And so I'm very secure with who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm secure with who I am. And I know I'm none of those things, right? Um, so therefore, I don't allow them to control my mind and my thoughts because I know who I am. And those are lies of the devil. So let's first attack that and get that out of your head, because now you can do the work that God's called us to do. What would you say to Americans who are embracing some of these ideas? That they need to step away from the mainstream media. They need to step away from the mainstream media. They need to start using their own resources to research. They need to speak to us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They need to find the immigrant in their community and speak to them. Listen to our stories. Listen to what we're trying to tell you. Socialism, communism does not work. It is it's an obsolete idealism. It, it was put into place hundreds of years ago to bring this equality among everyone, but it does not work because at the end of the day, there's no equality because the government and the elites will get richer and, and the citizens will get poorer. That's the only thing. So yes, there's equality among the citizens. Everyone will be equally poor, equally hungry. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. It's just a sad situation. It just doesn't work. So my my advice for the American people is to get away from the mainstream media, do your research, uh, talk to us that are trying to to bring awareness, because we left those countries in hope for a better future, a better life, came to this amazing empire that is now crumbling in front of us. It's like we are reliving <laughs> in a loop. It's like we are exactly. in a loop. And it's very scary. Like I, I, I did not come 
to this country full of hopes and dreams. So 20 years later, I can see happening what I left. It is kind of like a PTSD. It is a trauma that, that I'm having to relieve. Let me get me started on the whole BLM as well. That was another huge um, topic to the point where I was basically told that I wasn't black. <laughs> so I don't know what glasses prescription they're wearing, but um, again, being somebody from the UK um, or, you know, of Nigerian descent, talking about matters related to BLM was a no-no because, you know, you don't descend from slaves. So you have no right to speak on this. So that I, I had to kind of navigate that too, <laughs> even though I was just speaking as an American, you know, a person who lives in this country and is seeing issues that I believe are hurt in this country. And that's where I was coming from. It wasn't, I wasn't coming from a place of um, trying to condemn anybody or judge anybody. It was just speaking as someone who lives here and it's, it's being affected by the route that's, you know, we're going down, mm-hmm. um, especially as a parent, it mm. affects everybody to, to one degree or another, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of your race. Um, so again, speaking about issues like that got me into trouble too, <laughs> <laughs> and still do, <laughs> still does. Um, yeah, so definitely talking about issues of race, issues related to the pandemic, and the Second Amendment, I feel, seem to be the most controversial. Those are the hot button. Yeah. The hot button issues. And now I think another thing that has been added to that list of, I would say, unmentionables, (laughs) (laughs) things that we can't speak about, Um, one thing that has been added is also this whole debate about sexuality and and gender and and so on. So that's another debate. And for us who are parents, that's another frontier that we have to worry about because this ideology is becoming pervasive across the country. And, and so that adds up in, in, in so many ways. And the question for us is how do we navigate? How do we navigate these issues without being purveyors of vitriol? Right. right? Yeah. And that's one thing I'm trying to do very much is how can we have these conversations in a rational way? How can we help people see things the way we see things? And how can we get them to at least kind of hold their their perceptions about us, hold them just a little longer until they understand where we're coming from? Yeah. And that's that's been the challenge, I think. And, and I feel like everything is just inundated. We're inundated with so many of these things from every angle. So by the time you you finish defending the second amendment, <laughs> you know, the next thing comes up and 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 people start reaching out and a lot of times people go in guns blazing for lack of a better term, right? Mm-hmm. They they go in ready to to fight. And I I remember, you know, I've been here since 2003 and when wow. I came here the political conversation was not this toxic. No. It was this sense of 
hey, we all want the same thing, but we have different ideas as to how we get there. And, and sometimes we get a little heated in, you know, advocating for our ideas, but it was never, you can't speak because you are evil. Like it was never that. And, and so it's a little disappointing to see our society turning to this idea of shutting down speech we don't like. Yeah. And, and if we can't shut it down, then we're going to, you know, go and try to attack the advertisers of people or attack the employers so that they can take action against people whose voices we don't want to hear. And that's a huge challenge. Um, I want to dive a little deeper into this. So mm-hmm. you are saying that the difference that you saw between, you know, your liberal friends and you was this kind of logical thinking. Yeah. So what would you say for, you know, the, the liberal person listening to this? Um, what, how would you describe what you think is the, their way of thinking? I think that they are very, very compassionate people. More so than the average person. I think if you are a true liberal, if you're a true, le- like someone on the, more so on the left, not in the middle, you are exceptionally compassionate. You want more than nothing in the world to have people feel included and to kind of understand what, what someone else is feeling. And you do it to such a degree that you will deny the truth so that their truth can be heard more. Interesting. And it's again, like I have no ill to this. I think it's very admirable to, uh, to kind of want that for people. It's like they want this kind of utopia. It's like, yes, your dreams can be, can be true. And, and I, like, you know, anything, anything you wish for can happen. And I'm like, yeah, that, that is a nice fairy tale when we're kids. But as you grow older, that doesn't, doesn't really work. So it's a nice kind of feeling to have when you're young. It's a nice kind of uh, idealism to kind of have and like hope and like, you know, it's kind of like dark and bleak world. Um, but it just doesn't work out in long term. And so I think that they're very nice people. I, I think that they have big hearts. I just think it doesn't really lend itself to viewing the actual truth. The truth is, you know, the truth hurts. It's, it's hard. It's not always convenient. It's not always comfortable. And I think they want to avoid that as much as possible for this, like, no more, more, more ideal world. Okay. I like that. And, and that's, that's kind of how I feel as well, is that I don't, a lot of people start these conversations by ascribing like a nefarious motive to yeah. people's uh, beliefs. And I don't think so at all. I think, like you said, a lot of people are compassionate and they want a better world. They genuinely do. And and just like you said, the question is, how do we get there? And mm-hmm. what are the realities that we have to face in the process of getting there? Right. And And we can't just wish our problems away. We can't just wish human nature away. We have to look at the realities on the ground and sometimes it's painful or sometimes we have to choose paths that are not ideal in the ideal sense, in a perfect world Mm -hmm. sense. It's not ideal. However, that is the best way to get to the other side of the river, right? And and sometimes it's a little difficult, I think, um, just as you said, for them to grasp that we can't change everybody. You can't change people. And people are going to be selfish. And if you believe that you can change people, then you are going into a realm that will require authoritarianism to achieve. And that's where all a lot of these leftist ideals end you in those realms. Because if you believe you can change people uh, (laughs) on a mass scale, then it's going to take a lot of force to do that. To wrap up this discussion today, um, I have one 
final closing question. So what I love to do with my podcast is always leave people with something that they can do. So we talk a lot, a lot of news shows will rile you up and then leave you with that pent up energy with yeah. nothing to do with it. And I have, I'm feeling like we need to encourage people to take their energy and do something good with it. So um, is there a challenge, a positive challenge? And I know you've given a lot, go watch 13th, go watch, you know, these other things, but is there a positive challenge that you can give to our audience, something they can do that you feel can drive either this conversation forward or can drive the kind of positivity and unity that we want to see in our country? Uh, know that we have so much more in common than we have apart and be aware that there is a fear mongering narrative happening to all of us that is being spun on a political and power level to divide us. Um, and uh just know, I, I just, that's, I think that's where you and I really unify. We, you, we are so aware of that and be open. I, I and it, you know, negative to make positive. I get so frustrated how many times I ask my conservative friends to watch something and they don't, I read and watch everything. So they can, anyone can send me anything and I will read and watch it. And I always, and be okay to know that contrasting views keep America great and that we all don't have to agree. Hey, you just quoted Trump's slogan, keep America great. <laughs> yes, right. There we go. <laughs> and um, yes, definitely watch 13. You and I will get 16, 19 and see what we think. Um, and remember when you watch things, don't focus on just the one bad, look at the good. Um, listen to youth. And this is a real biggie. If you can get, I'll say, I, I met with these uh, parents at a coffee shop in Boulder. It was, they were so beautiful. I think they were from Arkansas, super conservative. And we all just fell in love with each other. And they said, what would you recommend? And they kept talking about their kids and their kids were like, you know, high school to college. And I said, create a safe space I said, were you really like, so when we went to talk to these, the conservative people in the South, well, they could look at sixwolves.com. It's nothing but liberal. It's like, we're into everybody being seen in ads, all different colors, genders, the whole bit. Right. So they knew, and we literally wrote, there will be no judgment. We really want to hear what you say. We guaranteed, even though now we may be making a documentary of it, and we're making a documentary of it to make it clear how much we all do have in common. But if you can create that for kids and say, I'm going to give you the, the safest space. I am not going to impress upon you my ideas. I'm not going to roll my eyes. I'm not going to arch my brows. I'm going to ask you 20 questions. You will be blown away at how kids really feel. And you'll, they'll run the gamut, but that's what I do. And when I first started doing that was about five or six years ago, and I would get crap, like, well, you should be teaching them. I learned so much from youth. They make me such a better person. And the other thing I would say is remember that we are all essentially good, because if we're not, what are you saying about the United States? And just try to remember that we have to stop painting the U.S. as this war ground filled with criminals. It's not pretty. 
and it it it, it doesn't serve it and if and, and do your best to risk going to places that you would never go go and work in soup kitchens for two months in, in very, very marginalized communities and ask them questions. You know, don't just serve them and be like, ooh, I did my good job. Engage with them as real people. And those are my thoughts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things in a sense would be um, reading, but also reading things that you're unfamiliar with. I think there's a tendency to to look for books that, oh, I'm almost a confirmation bias in a sense of, mm-hmm. oh, I'm familiar with this topic. Oh, this is an author I agree with. Um, I want to read their stuff. And I want to keep growing in that sense. Um, and for the longest time, I I think because of the school system, I was turned off from reading. Um, and then I start, I also had this all or nothing mentality. And I realized though that, you know, it's, Reading is more like food. You're not going to memorize every single thing. Um, and that's part of what makes reading books that you've read before so great is you can learn something new every time. But it's more like food and you need to treat it in that sense um, where you're not going to see the tangibles initially, but it nourishes you. And slowly over time, you'll see yourself in in conversations um, pulling out words, you're like, where'd that come from? <laughs> um, oh, I read it and subconsciously remembered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, I think that makes you a better communicator, which allows you to approach things more comfortably, um, more calmly, more understanding of, of others' perspectives. Um, so I think the tangible would be to seek that out and and maybe even ask people um, which I think is a great way to connect with them. You know, what's a book that inspired you? I may not necessarily, you may be on the other side of the aisle, but I want to read that. And hopefully what they'll see in that is, you know, you're trying to understand them a little bit better. You know, that's kind of cool. You, he's not just asking, oh, what's something that's important to me? They're asking like, they're going to, they might put in this time to read that and see something that's inspired me. Um, I think that's something that can be, really helpful over time what was what i was seeing wasn't it was worth doing something about even if you know people were going to be upset with me even if i was potentially going to lose lose friends over it um and so yeah that that period of time there i think that there are a lot of people who are going through that right now a lot of people who are seeing what's happening but they're afraid to to speak out because of maybe the cir- social circles that they're in or the repercussions they think are going to happen um, and this is where I think what you said earlier about seeing people as potential converts when you talk to them on social media, I think is so important because there are people who are just really struggling in that in-between zone of seeing something's wrong, but not being sure if, you know, it's them that's wrong or if it's the ideas that are wrong or what's what's wrong. And I think that approaching people like that with with that compassion and understanding is is important to encourage them to to speak out and to to feel more comfortable with being just honest about what they're seeing. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I I I agree wholeheartedly that that's the approach that we need to take. Um, we should always vitriol doesn't solve anything. I I mean I haven't seen anybody bashed into into a belief in what is right, right? And it takes a lot of love. And one of the things that people have I've heard a lot of times 
is that when people make that switch um, in their thinking, even if they don't consider themselves conservatives, but if they just make that switch to get away from the ideologies that are being currently pushed on the left, the embrace that they feel on the other side is something that is palpable to them. You know, the people they have been told are the bigots. The people they've been told are the haters. The people they've been told, you know, need to be eliminated potentially from our society. Those people are the ones that embrace. Those people are the ones that say, come over, right? You know, and and, and they put their arms around you and they embrace you. Yeah, it's, I find a lot of people and, you know, I struggle with this a lot because I'm I really I really believe that my journey is not everybody's journey. But I I think that we need to have more conversation in this country. I feel that we we need to talk more. I feel that if we if media, if mass media would go silent for a full month as in nothing not a peep, not a tweet, not a soundbite, nothing. We will find more things that we can agree with if we would get to the bottom of it. Any political topic out there that people are that the people are really passionate about, if you get if you keep asking why, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And you get to the core root of your beliefs. Everybody out there wants to help people. Right, and that's what politics is about. It's about helping, but how we are going to get there. My view is that there's never been an instance in history where the government throws people out of poverty. So that being said, and taking emotion out of it, what can you do that you can control directly into bettering yourself? How can you become a better version of yourself? without help from the government. And I'm not saying help from anybody. I'm saying no help from the government. That is very important. The community can help you, your friends can help you, your family can help you, but how can you better yourself and get out of that victimhood mentality that something is holding me back, something out there is preventing me from accomplishing X, Y, and Z. So I think that once we get past the emotional barrier, we can actually get some work done. But we're not going to be able to do that if we don't communicate more. I wanted to ask a favor of you. So if you follow this show and you like our content, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and our Rumble channel, and also following us on all our social media platforms. Your support is greatly appreciated and it really helps us get the word out. We also ask you to share our content with your friends and family and invite them to listen to us every week. Thank you for your support.